Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. On this episode, we're talking to Brent Messenger, who is the global head of community for Fiverr. And if you don't know Fiverr, Fiverr is the world's largest marketplace for creative and digital services. And I first found Fiverr in 2010. I made this intro to a video that we did for Startup Grind. It cost us 20 bucks and it's been seen millions and millions of times. It was incredible value for what we got. Fiverr.com and he is the head of community for them. He's also worked under the Obama for America presidential campaign in 2008. And later he consulted with some of the most innovative companies in the world like Lyft, Airbnb, and SolarCity. I'm thrilled to be joined on the podcast with my good friend, Brent Messenger, the head of global community at Fiverr. Brent, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us some of the companies you've worked for, how you got to to be uh, running the, the community of Fiverr. What, what led to that? Yeah, well, it, it feels, uh, I'll try to keep it condensed. It feels like an entire lifetime. It starts way back. You know, I've been doing community for a really long time. I, I started right out of college. I was on campus. I was a poli-sci major at UC Santa Barbara. And I met a candidate on campus who was running for state legislature. And he, you know, I was looking for an internship. He seemed like a nice enough guy. I liked the things he had to say. And I decided to go to work for his campaign. So I started out as a volunteer there and sort of quickly transitioned into a, a paid role there. But but what I what I discovered you know, in his campaign was that I really liked interacting with the community. This this particular candidate had this ambition to knock on every door in his district. And once I started doing that with him, I, I really got the bug for engaging with people and, and helping use community to win a campaign, which is what we did there. So uh, I worked with him on that election, uh, helped him run for re-election. And then eventually I decided I should try my hand at some other things. Uh, I moved from Santa Barbara to San Francisco uh, and started working at an educational tech company. But pretty quickly uh, felt the, the the bug to get back into community engagement. I started working with some advocacy organizations on community building. A couple of years of that, and I sort of found my way into the early, early Obama campaign, where I really found a home uh, with like-minded people who were really interested in grassroots engagement. I uh, helped run the Obama campaign in 2008. I was a, a field director in a battleground state, kind of worked my way through the organization there. And then after the election in 2008, I decided to start my own company, creating some software for the grassroots campaign that I felt like were missing from the previous cycle. My company actually became a vendor to the 2012 campaign, uh, and, I, and I worked uh, out of Chicago headquarters on that one as a consultant. Then after that, I joined a consultancy, grassroots uh, engagement consultancy called 270 Strategies with all the same people that I've been working with from 2008 and 2012 doing grassroots strategy for nonprofits, uh, political campaigns, and tech companies. And because I'd had some experience with tech, I was able to uh, work work on some pitches for some large tech clients and actually help win those clients 
And that's where I had a chance to work with Airbnb on their global community mobilization strategy, as well as Lyft and SolarCity, to just name a few. And then from there, I found my way over to Fiverr, where they were looking for a global head of community, sort of in the same style of, of a guy named Douglas Atkin, who was the global head of community at Airbnb. And I jumped at the chance to come on over. So it's been a, it's been a long path. That's, that's it. Well, I guess just to get started, I'd love to just hear a little bit about how the Barack Obama's campaign, especially in 2008, was, I mean, really lauded for its grassroots efforts and the community, really this movement that kind of swept across the United States. I wonder if you could just talk to us about how did the campaign think about community then? And how did how did it get the that sort of initial spark uh, going with people, you know, uh, getting involved and putting in their time and and how did how did you all do that? So it's really funny when I think about how the campaign came to be so community focused, so grassroots focused. It really there are lots of I think romantic ways to describe it, but but I think the most accurate way to describe it is by necessity. And I want to, I, I'll explain what I mean through an anecdote. I started on the campaign in 2007 here in California, where I'm from. And at the time, you know, California was an early voting state in, in the 2008 cycle. So it was one that was important to win, but is a very challenging state to win. It's typically considered a, a market that you win via media, paid media. It's like Florida, for example, where the only way to win an election there used to be to just go up on television and radio. A problem with that is you have to spend a lot of money to, to make enough impressions to get your message out far enough in, in a place like California. So the Obama campaign looked at California and it thought, OK, Hillary Clinton has a you know, she's winning by about 12 percent here. It's ex- extremely expensive to win there. Maybe we should fight in other places. But what Obama did have in California was like hundreds of thousands of people signing up to volunteer. So the campaign said, well, OK, what can we do? to build a real campaign that's based on all this grassroots enthusiasm. We do not want to spend the money here to go toe-to-toe with Hillary Clinton to try to win this state, especially if it looks like it's going to be very hard to win. We'd rather try to fight other places. And sort of famously, David Pluff, uh, the campaign manager for the Obama campaign, had this sort of 50-state perspective where he wanted to, to be able to put on a campaign everywhere. So it became this question of how do we tap into this energy? Well, in California, we knew... It's a huge state. It, it, doing a grassroots campaign here, you know, sort of door-to-door style grassroots campaign had never been done. So it became this question of how can we use technology to harness the enthusiasm of all these people? So we started cobbling together pieces of software. I mean, everything from, you know, base camp to, to try to figure out a way to create an infrastructure that would sustain all this activism. And then we used a community organizing model called the Snowflake model which uh, was something a lot of us learned for the first time from a guy named Marshall Gans, who is a famous community organizer who's actually a professor at the Kennedy School of Government, Harvard. And, and we thought, this is a good, good leadership-rich model for engaging people on a massive scale. So we, we used that model. We used a lot of technology to help us run it. And we actually, what ended up happening in California was kind of remarkable. Hillary Clinton spent about $22 million uh, to win California We spent about $200,000 to defend it. And on the election day, we actually turned out more people. Now, she ended up winning that election because she'd put a lot of money and investment into early voting. And I won't get into the details of that, but they did a mail, uh, like a a paid mail campaign to win the early vote. Did a great job of it. Really expensive. But on election day, 
we proved that through grassroots organizing, we could turn out more bodies to the polls. And it had a, a really profound impact. Uh, headquarters in Chicago and the candidate himself said, you know, wow, I mean, you guys have really tapped into something. This is a this is a real thing. We could do this all over the place. So uh, a lot of what we learned in California and the primary ended up being adopted nationally in the 2008 general election. And uh, I was lucky enough to be one of the people to get to put those learnings into a manual that then every state leader got. If you're liking this episode with Fiverr and Brent, we have a guide called the Ultimate Community Events Checklist. And it has everything you need to get started to build your community, including the snowflake model, which Brent is really a champion of. All you have to do is text checklist to 474747 and you'll get the guide delivered right to you. Again, that is checklist, all one word, text to 474747. Talk to me more about the snowflake model because this is something you've now executed at the enterprise level as well at Fiverr and and other companies uh, subsequently after the campaign. How, how does a company how does a company execute the snow, snowflake model? Where do we st- where does a company start? And you know what are the key milestones to to it being successful? Yeah, well, it's a great question because I think. When I started implementing it, you know, I was at 270 Strategies, the consultancy, and we were talking about implementing it for companies. It was kind of a question, you know, will this model, will this model work? And, and I think really what it boils down to is the Snowflake model, for those who don't know what it is, is really just a teams-based organizing model. What I mean by teams is, you know, you find someone who's interested in, in being a, a leader in a locale that's important to you. And instead of just making them a leader by themselves and saying, okay, you're a leader now, go activate the community, engage them in activities, put on events and things like that. What you do is you, you, you help them build a team of people around them to help do this as a team. And what it does is it creates great connection between the people that are doing it. It's a strong bonding experience for people who, who collaborate on these teams. It uh, obviously gives them support in executing. So executing becomes easier and better. But it's also it also it provides a bit of insurance for the organization uh, in that if a leader has to step out, uh, a new leader can step in. So I mentioned a minute ago when I was talking about using the model in California, it's a leadership rich model. And that's kind of how practitioners of this model talk about it, because it allows you to train a lot of people to do one type of job uh, and to share the responsibility and to never and to, to basically have continuity in doing it. Now, how, how we implemented it uh, at a corporate level was basically just exactly the same way. We decided, okay, there are some things that, that we want to do, that the organization wants to do. So in the case of, say, Airbnb um, or even Fiverr, we want to bring people together, help them engage in conversations uh, that will help them. And then uh, a lot of them are going to be putting on events and things like that. So we, we, we helped bring those people together. Our organizers have one-on-one conversations with leaders. They determine who is going to be the most well-suited to the task. And then we put them through a series of tests that help, that help us understand whether or not they're going to be good uh, and, and successful. And once we've figured that all out, we, we, we sort of roll them out and empower them to, to start taking action. I mean, that's a super, super simplified version of it. Yeah, I guess one thing that I find really interesting about it is with some of the other other communities and models that I've seen is it, it's sort of a slower, it feels like deeper level of engagement or burn where like 
okay, maybe maybe you can't get running full speed quite as fast because you, you have to really lay the groundwork versus like, hey, I'm just going to grab a couple of people and we're just going to go. But if you if you take the extra time and energy to actually do it, okay, it, it may require more of an upfront investment. It, it may take longer, but in the long run, it's probably much more sustainable than the just grab and go model that most people go with. Would you would you agree with that or or one hundred percent? And I and I, I agree with all parts of it. It is definitely a, a slower process. So one of the things I described when I was answering the last question was this idea of testing. There's a notion in snowflake model organizing of something called a ladder of engagement. It's not a complicated concept, but basically what it means is an action, a response to an, a, to a request will usually be dictated by the previous action. So we don't want to go out and ask people to do something that's too challenging for them without asking them something that's less challenging before that. And you and and really what we what we want to do ideally is sequence the asks in such a way that by the time the person becomes a leader, they've already taken all the smaller steps to get there to such a degree that they they're not overwhelmed or shocked by the responsibility. They feel feel completely comfortable with what's being asked of them. And moreover, and this is really important for whether it's Barack Obama's presidential campaign or or Fiverr, the person really understands the the organization they're they're working with, meaning you know they embody the brand. They are great representatives in the field. I mean, really, what the Snowflake model does is allows organizations to create people that are essentially uh, employees in the field. I mean, the the goal is to sort of attain that kind of quality. And the interesting thing is people are willing to do it for all kinds of different reasons, but you can actually get people to be to be that level of quality. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and do you find that, you know, once you the investment as well and sort of identifying who it is for your customer, which may be different, you know, what customer that is for you versus somebody else's customer, sort of identifying who that person is. is it, do you create a profile on that person? Do you sort of like create demographics and then go after that type of customer that you have that fits that profile? Or is it is it much more, is that way too specific? Is it much more broad than that? You just sort of go after anybody regardless of the, their profile. As long as they're passionate about the brand, they could potentially come on board and do it. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting ways to go about that type of targeting and to test as an organization. One of the things, I was speaking of ladder engagement, right? So the ladder of engagement demands that you, again, don't ask people to do too much too soon. So one of the good, one of the things that we often talk about with ladder of engagement is we say, we don't ask someone to host an event until we know that they can. And we don't put a test on them before, you know, whether or not they can, they can create that event. We don't, we don't ask them to do that until we do something simpler before that. And at the very, very bottom of this ladder of engagement is something as simple as liking your content on Facebook, right? If someone likes your content on Facebook, they're sort of raising their hand and they're saying, I'm, I'm interested in the next level of engagement. So maybe you ask them to share something. So maybe they share something for you. That's an indication that they're ready for the next thing. That's kind of what the ladder of engagement's about. So what we do a lot of times when launching a campaign, and this is kind of consistent across any type of organization, is you want to allow people to tell you that they're interested. So maybe you'll send out a survey or maybe you'll, you'll send out some sort of ask. Maybe you'll put on an event and the people that show up will become the people that you then ask. Because showing up to an event, that's a pretty big step up the ladder of engagement. Those people that are showing up to a live event, left their homes, left their offices, come to you, to wherever you are, 
that's a pretty big indicator that they're interested in getting engaged. So you try to cast a, a net for people like that. And then another thing that we do a lot at Fiverr is you also profile. It's one of the things you asked. We, we look at the people in our database and we say, oh, look, here's a buyer or a seller in our marketplace who's shown high levels of engagement, who seems like a great communicator, who seems really eager. We're going we're gonna to talk to them, too, and give them an opportunity. And those types of targets, you know, we, they get refined over time as you learn a little bit more about what works and what doesn't. But I think for any organization, you have, two, you have both of those approaches. And that was, that was also true uh, of the Obama campaign. You know, it was, would you like to volunteer? Someone says, yes, that's a great indicator that they might be interested in leadership. Now you have to qualify them and work to figure out whether it's true or not. But that's a good indication. Talk to me just as we wrap up, what, you know, Fiverr is a massive company with customers and community all over the world with people helping each other. I mean, I think the first time I used Fiverr was the early part of this decade, just a, just a really clever idea, you know, this early gig economy, you know, type of company that's now evolved into doing all sorts of much bigger and more complex and robust and difficult projects for people. How does your organization value community? Where, where do you put the value on it? And how do you, what measures of success do you have for community? How, do, how does your team get measured? <laughs> so many questions in that, I feel like, but it, it's a tough one to answer quickly too. But it's, I will say, first of all, for Fiverr, Fiverr has, is a very community centric kind of company. I think a lot of community uh, companies say that, but I don't know that they live it. Fiverr, internally, we refer to people who buy and sell in our marketplace as community members. Seems like a simple thing, but it really, I think, sets the tone for how we feel about our community. Uh, it's incredibly important. We have brand large advertising campaigns in various markets around the world, and we have community members in the ads. So we're, we're deeply committed to community members. My team, the community, sort of community engagement, is really about how many people we can engage, the depth to which we can engage them, the degree to which we can provide them with tools that they need. And there are all kinds of things that we measure. It's whether it's the number of, you know, just raw numbers. How many people are we talking to? How many people are showing up to our events? We're also tracking to the degree that we can when our community members, people who are registered on Fiverr, show up to our events. We're tracking how well they, how well they, they do in the marketplace after that, meaning they tend to workshop, uh, we'd like to know that they got better. And if, if something hasn't changed in their patterns, you know, whether they're, you know, if, if they're a seller, for example, and they tend to a workshop that should help them sell more, we want to make sure that's happening. And if it's not, we want to know why. So you might not be surprised by this. I, having you know, come from the Obama or, uh, organization, I'm very data centric. So we're, we have our hands in, you know, 30 or 40 different metrics that we're looking at to, to make sure that the things we're doing are working for people. At the end of the day, that's really what we're trying to do, obviously, is we're trying to make the buying and selling experience better on our, on our platform. And we want to help people. We're also listening to them, right? So if they're telling us, listen, you guys are doing something, we're not that interested in it, then we don't do it anymore. Or if they say, hey, there's something that's a, that you could really help us with, then we'll do everything in our power to try to do that. So that's, that's, those are some of the things that we're measured on. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. Again, that's B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S dot com slash pod.